Chapter Seven of the Case of Jenny Brace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Case of Jenny Brace by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Chapter Seven. After all, there was nothing sensational about Mr. Dudley's return. He came at eight o'clock that night, fresh shaved and with his hair cut and although he had a latch-key, he rang the doorbell. I knew his ring, and I thought it no harm to carry an old racer of Mr. Pittman's, with the blade open and folded back on the handle, the way the colored people used them, in my left hand. But I saw at once that he meant no mischief. "'Good evening,' he said, and put out his hand. I jumped back until I saw there was nothing in it, and that he only meant to shake hands. I didn't do it. I might have to take him in and make his bed and cook his meals, but I did not have to shake hands with him. You too, he said, looking at me with what I suppose he meant to be a reproachful look. But he could no more put an expression of that sort in his eyes than a fish could. I suppose, then, there is no use asking if I may have my old room. The front room. I won't need to. I didn't want him and he must have seen it. But I took him. You may have it as far as I'm concerned, I said, but you'll have to let the paper hanger in tomorrow. Assuredly. He came into the hall and stood looking around him, and I fancied he drew a breath of relief. It isn't much yet, he said, but it's better to look at than six feet of muddy water. Or than stone walls, I said. He looked at me and smiled. "'Or then stone walls,' he repeated, bowing, and went into his room. "'So I had him again, and if I gave him only the dull knives "'and locked up the bread knife the moment I had finished with it, "'who can blame me? "'I took all the precaution I could think of, "'had Terry put an extra bolt on every door, "'and hid the rat poison and the carbolic acid in the cellar. "'Peter would not go near him. "'He hobbled around on his three legs,' with a splint beating a sort of tattoo on the floor, but he stayed back in the kitchen with me, or in the yard. It was Sunday night or early Monday morning that Jenny Bryce disappeared. On Thursday evening, her husband came back. On Friday, the body of a woman was washed ashore at Beaver, but turned out to be that of a stewardess who had fallen overboard from one of the Cincinnati packets. Mr. Ladley himself showed me the article in the morning paper, when I took in his breakfast. "'Public hysteria has killed a man before this,' he said, when I had read it. "'Suppose that woman had been mangled, or the screw of the steamer had cut her head off. How many people, do you suppose, would have been willing to swear that it was my—was Mrs. Ladley?' "'Even without a hat, I should know Mrs. Ladley,' I retorted. He shrugged his shoulders. "'Let's trust she's still alive, for my sake,' he said. "'But I'm glad, anyhow, that this woman had a head. "'You'll allow me to be glad, won't you?' "'You can be anything you want, as far as I'm concerned,' I snapped and went out. Mr. Holcomb still retained the second-story front room. I think, although he said nothing more about it, that he was still playing horse. He wrote a good bit at the washstand and, from the loose sheets of manuscript he left, I believe actually tried to begin the play. 
but mostly he wandered along the waterfront, or stood on one or another of the bridges, looking at the water and thinking. It is certain that he tried to keep in the part by smoking cigarettes, but he hated them, and usually ended by throwing the cigarette away and lighting an old pipe he carried. On that Thursday evening he came home and sat down to supper with Mr. Reynolds. He ate little and seemed much excited. The talk ran on crime as it always did when he was around, and Mr. Holcomb quoted Spencer a great deal. Herbert Spencer. Mr. Reynolds was impressed, not knowing much beyond Silks and the National League. Spencer, Mr. Holcomb would say, Spencer shows that every occurrence is the inevitable result of what has gone before, and carries in its train an equally inevitable series of results. Try to interrupt this chain in the smallest degree, and what follows? Chaos, my dear sir, chaos. We see that at the store, Mr. Reynolds would say. Accustom a lot of women to a silk sale on Fridays, and then make it toothbrushes. That's chaos, all right. Well, Mr. Holcomb came in that night about ten o'clock, and I told him Ladley was back. He was almost wild with excitement, wanted to have the back parlor, so he could watch him through the keyhole, and was terribly upset when I told him there was no keyhole, that the door fastened with a thumb bolt. On learning that the room was to be papered the next morning, he grew calmer, however, and got the paper hanger's address from me. He went out just after that. Friday, as I say, was very quiet. Mr. Ladley moved to the back parlor to let the paper hanger in the front room, smoked and fussed with his papers all day, and Mr. Holcomb stayed in his room, which was unusual. In the afternoon, Molly McGuire put on the striped fur coat and went out, going slowly past the house so that I would be sure to see her. Beyond banging the window down, I gave her no satisfaction. At four o'clock, Mr. Holcomb came to my kitchen, rubbing his hands together. He had a pasteboard tube in his hand about a foot long, with an arrangement of small mirrors in it. He said it was modeled after the something or other that is used in a submarine, and that he and the paper hanger had fixed a place for it between his floor and the ceiling of Mr. Ladley's room, so that the chandelier would hide it from below. He thought he could watch Mr. Ladley through it, and as it turned out, he could. "'I want to find his weak moment,' he said excitedly. "'I want to know what he does when the door is closed and he can take off his mask, and I want to know if he sleeps with a light.' "'If he does,' I replied, "'I hope you'll let me know, Mr. Holcomb. The gas bills are a horror to me as it is. I think he kept it on all last night.' I turned off all the other lights and went to the cellar. The meter was going around. Fine, he said. Every murderer fears the dark, and our friend of the parlor bedroom is a murderer, Mrs. Pittman. Whether he hangs or not, he's a murderer. The mirror affair, which Mr. Holcomb called a periscope, was put in that day and worked amazingly well. I went with him to try it out, and I distinctly saw the paper hanger take a cigarette from Mr. Ladley's case and put it in his pocket. Just after that, Mr. Ladley sauntered into the room and looked at the new paper. I could both see and hear him. It was rather weird. God, what a wallpaper, he said. End of chapter 7